0: Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I am from San Francisco, California in the United States, although I am now living here in beautiful Wuhan, China. And you can call me by my Chinese name if you prefer, Shangguan Jiewan. And we are here today with...
1: Baby! And Baby, where are you? (laughs) Hi! I am in Beijing, my favorite city in the world.
0: Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions? Comments? Anything you would like to share? Email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge
1: so um what do we have today anything interesting to talk about
0: early childhood development or raising kids
1: really I wanted
0: to talk about some <laughs> of the similarities and some of the differences between the US and China
1: hmm okay raising kids well I have a
0: daughter you are a mom yes yes how old is your daughter
1: uh she just turned seven so
0: you you're familiar then
1: ah uh, I guess <laughs> I uh, it's not easy yeah
0: would you say it's competitive for children in Beijing. Competitive? What do you mean? In terms of like getting into the right institution, taking the right extra classes, like extra courses besides primary school does your daughter take?
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, I'm actually not one of those tiger moms. Mm. And I know there are other moms in China who are crazy about making sure that their kids get into certain schools. But you know, my daughter, she's only seven. <laughs> she, I mean, she finally, she's the first grader. Mm. And my concept or, you know, I guess my values of raising um, my child is that I want her to, to just play, you know, when she's a kid, just be a kid when she's a kid. Um, but that's not to say that I haven't signed up, you know, signed her up for classes, but mostly they're like, you know, sports. I think the first extra, well, they're not like extracurricular because she wasn't really in school. Um, we signed her up for ping pong class like once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, really easy kid stuff. And she the the coach comes over to our neighborhood because we have a couple kids um, in the neighborhood. And they can, you know, have the class together uh, for like an hour, an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And then she's had um, roller skating classes. She had that for a while. Mm-hmm. And she got pretty good at it, I guess. Um, and then what do we have now? I think we took swimming class for a few weeks in the summer, like before September, before school started, because she has swimming class in school. But we wanted to make sure that she knows how to swim before she just, you know, dives into the pool. (laughs) And then what else? Oh, she's taken ceramics class. And she really enjoyed it because my daughter, she's uh, she's Mm. pretty artistic. She likes to, you know, do artworks and draw and paint. So, that kind Mm -hmm. of
0: thing. So, a whole bunch of classes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but these are, you know, for fun, you know, sports. We want her to be active. We we want her to um, have -hmm. enough exercises. Um, And I heard that ping pong is actually not just good for your physical uh, fitness, but also good for your eyesight. Because your eyes have to follow that little thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And, And coordination, kinesthetic skills yeah absolutely
1: yeah because um you know some people they have this thing some people are crazy about all kinds of classes Mm. you know i remember Mm -hmm. when she was back in kindergarten
0: i'm a kindergarten educator Mm -hmm. i have been for a long time you
1: must be very
0: patient you know 99 percent of the time Anyways, I want to talk about growing up in the US in like the 80s. I'm a little bit old. And uh, when I got home from school, the expectation was, okay, now survive until it's time to go to bed. <laughs> so it's like, okay, go outside, maybe play baseball, sort of mm-hmm. run around in circles, maybe mm-hmm. ride around on my bicycle or nice. play in the mud or f- climb a tree or watch TV or like play with my Batmobile or one of my endless teddy bear collection. You have a teddy bear? Well, I'm not anymore.
1: Okay. Well, good to know.
0: I'm Actually. I think I do still have a teddy bear mm-hmm. in the United States in a box. So I'm <laughs> Sorry to Bobo. Aww. He doesn't get to come out of play anymore. But uh, yeah, all of my other teddy bears have retired to <laughs> I don't know where. I'm mm-hmm. not sure what mom did with them. I think my growing up was very typical of an American, most American children. There weren't any extra classes or if there were for some, mm-hmm. it was like, maybe there was Boy Scouts, mm. which is like going camping sometimes, or maybe there right. was like little league. So playing baseball sometimes. Mm-hmm. But other than that, most kids don't take like French or Chinese or something. They just, Mm. they just grow up and they figure stuff out. Like they go to their school. Maybe there's a little bit of homework that takes like 30 minutes to do. And then that's it. That's it. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, that sounds about normal to me. That's how I grew up. Mm. Um... Uh, I'm also from the 80s. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't even remember doing homework. I'm sure I did, but it's like so insignificant that it's not really part of my memory hmm. from childhood. Hmm. And I remember we had this like little woody area. I grew up on a university campus. Wow. So it's like, you know, nice and quiet and lots of trees and all that. So there is this woody area. And lots
0: of smart people around.
1: Well, I suppose. I never thought about that when I was... <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) living there. Um, but there are a bunch of kids, like, uh, from the, the neighborhood. And I remember when we lined up, it was like a, a troop. You know, the tallest kids, they were probably, what, like early teens, mm. 10, 11, mm. and then they're like, you know, seven, eight, six, five, <laughs> down to us. Um, it was a lot of fun. I mean, childhood back in the 80s in China, it, it was, we didn't have a whole lot compared to the kids, you know, what they have these days. Mm. But it was just so much fun. We had so much freedom. Mm. It was just play, 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 play. And at that time, there was not a lot of, uh, like, supervision from parents you know, mm-hmm. after school, we just drop off our backpacks at home. And then we just run out, right, to play with the other kids. Mm. So it sounds like your childhood, right, a little bit. Um, But nowadays, things are a little different. It's not just about the classes. It's like there are a lot more parental supervision, like you have to be with your kids. Mm. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't, as safe as it is, uh, people no longer just let their kids out to play. Like if I go to the park, Of course, I will have to go with her or someone from the family, Mm -hmm. right? A lot of grandparents Mm -hmm. are involved. Uh, taking care of their grandchild. So, it's um you, like you you need to put in more efforts. Uh back then, I think both in the states and here in China, like kids just they they, they just, you know, you go, right? Go to the park wherever run in in the neighborhood. Um you f- you can free up your parents. But nowadays there's a little I suppose it's a little different. Maybe that's one of the reason why we don't spend as much time outdoors. Hmm. But I think that's where kids belong. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have a lot of kids in my classes. And a lot of them have mm-hmm. they I if I ask them how many backpacks do you have? Sometimes they'll say, I have eight backpacks. Generally I take that to mean what do you mean? They have eight different schools they go to.
1: Where wait, wait. Yeah. where do you work? Shanghai? I was in
0: Beijing before, and now I work in Wuhan. And in both huh. places, at least the kids who are attending private kindergartens, those kids go mm-hmm. to like piano class, calligraphy class, and then they oh. have sports class too. They have swimming class, mm-hmm. they have tennis class, maybe ping pong class, they have like English class. Some of them will take Spanish. Or they'll right now right. In- increasingly hmm. the government is like we don't want kids to do this so they're like cracking down especially on people taking core subjects so no extra English mm. no extra math and no extra Chinese right because they want well, all yes. the kids at the school to be on the same level relatively so it's not an unfair advantage for super wealthy parents
1: mm-hmm. but s- exactly that's the mm-hmm. big thing this year mm-hmm. yeah
0: it's been a big change in China for like mm-hmm. expats living here who came here mm-hmm. to teach English are like, oh, I can't do that anymore. I guess I'll Ah, I'll have to do something else or leave. That's right. But um, fortunately, I actually work at a proper school, not at a uh, English, what is it, academy. Mm -hmm. So that's a different thing.
1: Right. Or after school tutoring class. Yeah,
0: after school tutoring class. Mm. I ask my kids who have all of these classes, who like take violin or piano and all these, what do you do for fun? And they say, oh, I have swimming class. (laughs)
1: Well, comparatively speaking, it's more fun than violin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, you're right. Yeah. Parents are involved in dropping them off.
1: (laughs) So in that way, it's easier for parents, you know, like sometimes to be honest, like don't tell my daughter. Um, I remember when she was in kindergarten, they have you can sign up for after school. Um, They call it classes, but it's more like, you know, another way of babysitting. So Mm. normal classes are out, say, around four. Mm. and then you can you know you have to pay for these mm. classes from four mm. to five mm. and then for me i really didn't care what she did in there like arts or sports whatever just give me an extra hour you know <laughs> i'm willing yep. to pay that
0: because you're commuting uh,
1: 80 or 100 uh, no it was it's actually close to home like the kindergarten mm. is, is in the neighborhood but i just wanted to buy that hour it's like somebody else watch my kids please <laughs>
0: So- well, I think in America, they have that too, but it's it's usually not like paid for. A lot of schools offer like what they call after school program. So like kids will sit behind and they'll watch like a video about whatever. I don't actually remember. Really? <laughs> yeah, well, it was a long, it was a very long time ago.
1: Well, then Chinese parents will complain. You can't let my kids sit in front of the video for that long. <laughs>
0: right, right. Well, for different reasons. <laughs> they don't want them to, they want them to be active. Like you talked about, and it's very important. But also mm. they're worried about their eyes staring at a screen. Right. For that long, Mm. I have a friend in Beijing and they don't let their kids use any computers or iPod iPads at home they're like when she gets huh. eight, eight or nine then we'll give her an iPad and she'll like what is this thing <laughs> like
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. for now they
0: don't they want her to like what you said run around and like you know mm, fall down and
1: exactly fall off
0: their bicycle and like learn that that's okay to fall down and you can just get back up again and those um, critical lessons
1: play with other kids yeah, play
0: with us socializing I think
1: that's ex- extremely important and um I guess I'm not one of those typical moms I mean like when we go to the park especially when my daughter was younger you know the moms at the park and they would talk about the classes they were taking and nowadays they take classes online mm-hmm, like for math mm-hmm. for en- english is is really really important like um i know that a lot of parents spend extra money to sign up classes for their kids um, mm-hmm. since kindergarten right to, to learn english that's like that's like um a normal deal already mm. you know we don't even really consider it extra Um, And then, you know, they would talk about learning Pian, which is like, you know, Chinese phonics, I Mm -hmm. guess, a way of uh, explaining it. Mm -hmm. Um, Or other classes. And I will be just standing there listening like, wow. (laughs) Like, they they care so much about their kids' education. They're only like five. Um, But I was never really drawn into that whirlpool, I think. Is that the word? Like, it's like you get sucked into this. You can, yeah. Yeah. That's a great metaphor. It's hard to get out. And that's why when the Shuanxiian or the double reduction policy, mm. so which means reduction in um, homework mm-hmm. um, and reduction in private tutoring, mm-hmm. like double reduction policy when that was enacted for real, the parents, they were so relieved. They were like, finally, we don't have to run on this, um uh, like, treadmill as if we are just, you know, we can't get off. We get off. Somebody else gets ahead. Mm. I mean, that's how they felt about it, mm-hmm. right? They don't really want their kids to study all these things. But if I don't, you know, the other kids are getting these extra help. And my kid is going to fall behind. That's their
0: mentality. I'm also not sure... If all, a lot of it helps mm-hmm. though. I mean, sure, physical activity is critical. M- learning to swim, you know, actually I had the opposite experience of right. you. My dad was like, there's a swimming pool, get in kid. <laughs> <laughs> It was just like, just stay, stay in the shallow end. And it's like, that, that's how I stay alive. Yeah. Stay alive. <laughs> I got into the pool. They were like, okay, you didn't sink. You're great. Good to go, kid. And so that was how oh, we geez. learned. And it, I grew up partially uh, with the pool. So it was just like, okay, that was just sort of an automatic thing. But you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the physical activity, the structure of it is very healthy. But how helpful is it if your kid learns violin at five and they give up at seven? Are they going to remember that? I mean, it's great if your kid learns violin and then they grow up learning violin, but I'm sure right. that the vast vast majority of children who start violin as a, all you know, barely just out of mm. being a toddler are going to really mm. stick with that and make it a career or something.
1: Yeah, you know, I totally agree with you. Um, the thing here in China is, uh, you know, piano lessons. Uh, that's usually the first choice. Mm-hmm. And if the kid really hates it, maybe they'll move on to something else. But there's also a trend of um, uh, studying like classical Chinese instruments, you know, mm-hmm. like guzheng. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a popular choice too but i thought a lot about you know um whether or not to to start my daughter on piano lessons mm-hmm. for one thing i i played the piano when i was younger and i i started on accordion so my mm. mom made me wow. play that when i was in elementary school because uh like our apartment was really small and the pianos were really expensive so mm-hmm. we could afford a accordion and it was smaller. So we did that and I hated it <laughs> like it was really heavy and every time I practiced it would leave like a red mark like a print on my thigh and my <laughs> mom would you know sit by my side with a chopstick in hand just knocking out the beat. Um, it wasn't a very fun experience mm-hmm. but then when I got into Chujong that's what wait what's the junior high right junior high mm-hmm. I wanted for whatever reason I wanted to learn the piano. So I demanded it like I wanted to do it and my parents bought me a piano and I went to, um, you know, piano lessons. I did everything by myself, like, mm. and I practiced for hours. It's something that I all of a sudden wanted to do. And I took lessons... Independently. Yeah. So, it's something that I was interested in. Hmm. So, I did that for, for a couple of years. Um, I mean, my parents had to pay for the lessons, but otherwise, mm. they didn't really have to worry about it. So, I mean, that's okay, right? If you're a kid, it really wants to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I don't quite understand why there is such a kind of a popular notion that... You know, kids should take piano lessons or kids should take violin lessons. I mean, not one, not everyone is born a musician. And because I've been through that, I know that you have to dedicate so many hours, hmm. you know, on a daily basis, at least an hour a day, right? And then extra time if you want to get better. And you do that for years. Mm-hmm. And if you don't really enjoy it, It is torture. It's literally (laughs) a form of torture. I
0: think that you're describing something that exists in the United States, too. Like, a lot of subjects that people don't take extra of, but piano is one of those things that, not a lot, but some Mm -hmm. kids are forced to take. Usually it's in home. It's in someone's home. It's in your home. An instructor comes over, or you go over to their home, Mm -hmm. and you play for an hour every day for a few years, and maybe you, like, actually, I wanted to take up, I forget what it was. I think it was the Saxophone, or something, when I was in middle school. And mm-hmm. I went to the music instructor and I was like, Can I, t- you know, there's an option to take a class. May I please take this right. class? And he was like, Oh, you, no, you have to learn piano. And huh? I was like, What? Oh. He was like, Because mm. if you'll learn how notes work, the structure of notes mm-hmm. from the structure of the piano, then you can mm-hmm. learn. If you're good at that, then you can play sax. So after like three lessons, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because. <laughs>
1: See, it, I know that's especially at the beginning. It's, it's not fun. I mean, even for people who love music, the first few months or maybe even like at least a half year. It's so boring, right? But I think it's for most instruments. I
0: also think it's like, it wasn't what I wanted, you know? Like you were talking about Mm. it needs to come from within you. Like I didn't want to learn the piano. That looked boring and like, it looked like some (laughs) old black and white guy with a giant wig on his head. Like that's how I pictured (laughs) the piano. Anyways, when I was 16 or 17, I took up the Mm -hmm. guitar like so many Americans do. Ah, And eventually I got- Okay enough to play in like a band or whatever. Not like super That's great. Good. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of Americans can play guitar. You'll you'll probably have seen that. Mm-hmm. Really common in America to be able to play that one particular instrument. And then less right. people play piano. Whereas in China, it seems like a lot of people play piano. And then, I don't know, violin and stuff are like secondary yeah, guitar. I don't
1: know where all this started. It's as if like it's basic. You know, like, oh, everybody should be able to play the piano. I'm like, why? Because there's so you have to devote so many hours. And I remember talking with other parents in the neighborhood. I mean, you know, when your kids play in the park, mm. sometimes you're just forced to chat. <laughs> all the moms. <laughs> um, and we would talk about the different lessons that the other kids take. And, you know, I, I actually did start my daughter on piano lessons just um, a few months ago. We've had, what, like six? Uh, or seven classes Mm -hmm. and some, we haven't been able to have classes because of, um, uh, pandemic controls. Mm -hmm. Um, like we just don't feel it's safe enough yet. But, um, I told my daughter, I'm like, Hey, these classes are super expensive. So we're going to try it out. If you want to play it, this is your thing. You don't have to play it because I don't really want to pay all this money for this. (laughs) If it's, you know, if you think you're suffering through this and I'm like, you know, bleeding through my wallet, whatever. So I kind of uh, talk to her. So every time I ask her, do you want to practice or no? You know, you're doing this for yourself. And if she really ends up not liking it, you know, after a few months, I don't think I'll force her to play it. I mean, it would be nice, right? It would be nice to mm-hmm. to be able to sit down in front of a piano and just start playing. I mean, it's elegant and it's, um, it's a great way of, uh, I guess, showing off and also enjoying yourself mm. and enjoying your life. But it just takes so much effort. Mm. And I don't think it's absolutely necessary. If she likes it, you know, I'll pay for it. So that's kind of the situation in my house. I
0: think you're getting to the core of something that's really important for parents to keep in mind is that if you make something you want your children to do or your children may want to do initially into a Mm -hmm. chore… Then you make them not like it. It needs to mm-hmm. be something that the child or the anybody, and not just a child, an mm-hmm. adult too. Anyone will like something if it's something they want to do. They initiate. Mm-hmm. When, as soon as you say, you didn't do your homework, go read a book now. Right. You're now, now you're, you've <laughs> crossed a line where you're making reading books a punishment of some kind. And that's right. never what we want to do. We want to encourage them. Mm. Now you get to read a book. Let's read together. And okay, this is so much fun. You, you make it something exciting and fun. And exactly. the children will then like like associate reading with something that mom likes to do or dad likes to do, mm-hmm. something that we're going to do together even maybe. But as, as soon right. as it's like, oh, no, you said you want piano classes. Now you have piano classes. You have to go to piano. That's not going oh, to. See. Yeah, it's going to shut them down.
1: I just, I just don't want to go through that struggle, um, which so many other families go through. You know, it's um, it's hard enough raising a kid, making sure that he or she is safe, you know, everything's normal. Mm. And I think the whole double reduction policy started because parents have had enough. Mm. You know, they feel like they don't really want to be so stressed out. Mm. They don't even know why they're so worried or stressed out about their kids' performance. I mean, they're like kids, right? They're little kids. Mm. When, you know, my generation, as we mentioned earlier, I didn't really much when I was a kid. I just played and it was great. I turned all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it's a different times now, right? People, kids are so much smarter mm. um, and they just know so much more. Mm. I mean, I'm happy that I don't have to compete with them.
0: <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no, I, w- just... I was thinking about that too. In my school, the children's ability to read and like do math. Mm. I reflect on my own time and the same age and I'm like I couldn't do that. (laughs) I couldn't do what they're doing until like second grade but now here they're like two years younger than I was. Uh, I'm like wow at least the future is in good hands you know I'm very optimistic that the next generations are going to be able to improve the situation on the planet right? because they seem to be a lot better educated than you know my generation was from my own perspective. Well they have
1: harder problems to solve.
0: Certainly they do. Yeah. (laughs) Well there's also the idea that, you know, people are worried about this test called the Gaokao. Uh, Can you describe that for those our listeners who may not know what that is?
1: Yes. So, if you want to know about the educational system or how education works, you got to start with the Gaokao, uh, which is not just uh, unique to China. I think this is like an at least an Asian thing. I know that they have this. We
0: have the SATs, which is similar. It's similar-ish. No. No? Okay.
1: No, 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 no. Tell us
0: about it. Tell us
1: about it. So, um, the gaokao is, it covers several subjects. In China, I think it takes two days. Wow. Like, um, it's early, it's like one of, probably the first week of June. And for two days, these um, third graders from high school, like high school seniors, they will go to these uh, designated test sites. Um, and it's probably how many? Seven, eight different subjects? Mm. You know, it's like taking the bar exam. They just sit there for hours and taking these tests. Wow. Um, and it's not just for China. I know that they have it in Japan mm-hmm. and that they have it in South Korea. Mm. And they, they're they probably even more crazy when it comes to uh, how competitive this is. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, the Gaokao is um, it's a really fair system, I have to say. It's not pleasant. Nobody wants to be grilled, right? Mm-hmm. And tests for two straight days. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's fair. It's like no matter where you're from. You could be from mountainous village, you know, in the remote areas of china um probably the poorest one of the poorest areas in china and you could be from uh, you know the best high schools in in shanghai but you will be taking similar exams Mm -hmm. not only that but also um i think the kid from the poor areas they'll probably have a few extra points given that they have not had yeah
0: i've heard that i've heard that before yeah
1: the same equality or minorities uh we have 56 uh ethnic well ethnic groups Mm -hmm. han being the majority Mm -hmm. so they're like over 90 percent of us are han so if you're a minority uh you get uh uh, you know some privileges when it comes to gaokao so on and all they figure out ways to make this a rather um like really fair system Mm -hmm. i would have to say probably people say in china they say that this is the fairest thing we have um still in today's society because with the whitening inequality when it comes to economic status mm-hmm. and, you know, just social classes. This is one thing that people can still hold on to. You know, if you're born, you know, at the bottom of the society, if you work hard, you still have the chance of making it to the top universities in China. So in
0: that way, you would say Gaokao offers a meritocracy-like system. It's a meritocracy. allows yes. students who did try mm-hmm. to succeed and then go to a university, some of the better universities.
1: Exactly. And, um, I mean... For some people with um, uh, so much less resources in other aspects, um, this is one thing they can, they can hold on to, right? So, mm-hmm. but we have to start from there. So, there's this gaokao, and um, basically all these graduates, you know, they sit down on the same day, take, they take similar tests. Now, the similar as in, I think, different provinces, they have their own tests, like these particular test sheets, They're not exactly all the same. It's just like Mm -hmm. SATs, Mm -hmm. right? We don't take all the same SATs, but they're Mm -hmm. at the same difficulty level, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And whatever score you have, um, it can help you to decide which college you go to. So this is extremely competitive. I mean, there are a lot of universities in China, but then the top ones, the spots are very limited, Mm -hmm. uh, given the population. Uh, of China. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine how competitive it gets. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the states, SAT, I've taken the SAT and that's like I'm I'm sorry to say, it's it's, <laughs> I don't want to say it's nothing compared to GoGo, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, you know, much, much, much lighter of a... It's
0: also not a requirement. I didn't even take the SAT. Really? No.
1: I, you didn't really miss much.
0: There's other ways to get into a better university. Like you can go to junior college, which is what I did. Mm. Mm-hmm. And then based on your grades in junior college, you can just go to whatever university. They'll just say, oh, you got straight A's. Great. You're going to do great here. Let's go. I
1: remember back in the States, I um, it's not unusual for people to get um, a, a close to full score on their SATs, right? If you just work enough, like, let's say you take a lot of um, practice texts. I think you get
0: points for being able to sign your name.
1: Really? <laughs> but signing your name is important right so it's not unheard of it's uh, no no I've I've had classmates who did really well they got like 1600 that was the score back then I think Mm -hmm. Um, but in the Chinese Gaokao like maybe only a handful if not you know, they've gotten full scores because it covers like several subjects. Mm -hmm. You know how we have SAT and then we have um, SATs in different subjects. So it's like combining all that and 10 times or maybe 20 times harder. Um, So it's extremely competitive. And the way we describe that in China is like troops going through a single plank bridge. Now there is a saying in Chinese, that's how competitive the Gaokao is.
0: I see, So, I see.
1: yeah, and um, in the States, when you apply to college, I mean, as you said, there are different ways. Uh, SAT score is only, I would say, uh, you know, just a small part of the requirements, mm-hmm. right? If it's too low, maybe you don't have SAT. As- good of a chance of getting into a good university but it's not a decisive factor Mm -hmm. whereas for the gaokao system both in china japan south korea um that's like the score they look at (laughs) you know what i
0: mean let me ask you another question a little bit on a side topic but, but related we're talking about children taking all of these extracurricular activities piano and whatnot it is important in the U- U.S. system in order to get into a good university to have at least one kind of extracurricular activity that you dominate in, that you're really good at. So it could be piano hmm. or it could be like public speaking, or it could be that you're a really good athlete, mm-hmm. especially if you're a really good athlete in some sports. Like, and those, right. those things can almost yeah. like. Push the SATs mm-hmm. out of the equation altogether. If you have, if you're re- really talented at a particular skill, does right, that help right. you get into a university in China?
1: Yeah. If you have, um, they have extra points for people with, mm-hmm. um, as you say, specialty mm. skills. But I think you have to be really good. Now, let's say piano, you have to probably win, mm-hmm. like you know, the top prize in these national contests or something Mm, like you mm. have to be superb or else how are you going to stand out among how many take the test? Millions every year? I'm not too sure. I mean, the number is huge. But
0: it's also true that some, a lot of Chinese students, they go to the US for their education. I remember I attended actually several universities over a long period of time. In mm-hmm. every university system that I was in, there was an enormous amount of students that were from mainland China, that right. were from China, and they were extremely competitive. And even the universities mm-hmm. would sometimes have to limit how many would come in because they were so right. much <laughs> more competitive in the right. same subjects that their American counterparts parts Mm -hmm. we're trying to get into is like, okay, well, there are too many (laughs) (laughs) overqualified Chinese students to let in. We'll just have to turn the faucet on just a little bit and let some of them in. You know, they also Mm -hmm. had an amazing skill sets outside of their academics. So they were taking like molecular Mm -hmm. and cell biology, and then they were also really good at the cello or something. Mm -hmm. So
1: Yeah, it depends on their upbringing, right? If their parents Hmm. devote, you know, devote a lot of time and resources um, then they will have these um, they'll at least have the uh, opportunity to become good at these but the reason why um, one of the reason why we had this um, double reduction policy Mm -hmm. So, reduction in homework and also in, um, like, after-school private tutoring Mm -hmm. is that it gets so competitive Mm. because these lessons are not cheap. Mm. Um, And it's unfair Mm. for kids from poor families. is the
0: uh, double reduction policy primarily um, aimed at students who are taking core subjects like mathematics, English, and Chinese? You could still, like take lego class or
1: fun class yes
0: swimming class definitely
1: yeah those are encouraged arts and stuff Mm. yeah
0: increasingly actually that is a topic i I just want to breach that for a second or broach that for a second um lego class when i first arrived in china that's not something people took but now increasingly a lot of my kids take things like (laughs) painting and lego it seems like Mm -hmm. artistic or fun classes are like really encouraged i'm not actually sure what happens in lego class but I, I played with Legos as a kid. I don't imagine it's exactly the same because mine was more like putting Star Wars on the TV and plopping <laughs> myself down on the carpet and then just playing with Legos and pretending I was like building spaceships for the next two hours.
1: Nice. <laughs> I think, you know, the, um, actually when it comes to the double reduction policy, the, one of the key reasons is to um, kind of take capital out of the equation mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. education and i Mm -hmm. think you know when you think about lego why do you need Mm -hmm. a class to do it right it's a it's Mm -hmm. like a kind of toy you just play with it, right? It's not like mm-hmm. rocket science where you have to take classes. But the thing mm. is, when people get so competitive, um, they, they, you know, parents want their kids to be number one at Lego. I don't even know what that means, <laughs> right? And they don't know how to do it. Well, there are classes for it. If there is an opportunity for making money, there will be people who, you know, start these classes. There, are, I've heard of classes for, um, jumping rope. You know, wow. You know they, they swing that thing around it.
0: Well, I mean, actually, have you ever seen professional? Have you seen professional jump rovers? I've seen
1: it and I couldn't believe that was normal speed. I mean, it's crazy.
0: <laughs> I mean, the people who actually get really good at that make okay, maybe, maybe if we just use that as a metaphor, maybe these Lego classes, they're making like, I don't know. Um, statues of like ancient Greek gods or something (laughs) I'm not actually sure but if jump rope is our standard Mm. me jumping rope versus like a professional jump rope
1: (laughs) two different stories yeah it's like
0: (laughs) Mars and Jupiter or something Totally, completely
1: different. So, I mean, like, I don't see the point in that. But other parents, they are more sensitive to, you know, trophies and prizes. And it's like things they can put on their kid's resume. Uh And for me, Uh I don't think my kid needs a resume. You know, Hmm. so, Hmm. uh, you know, I I don't know. It's probably I I think if you um, let's say live in New York, you'll probably Hmm. be more familiar with people who are crazy Hmm. about signing up their kids for this private Mm -hmm. or that private Mm -hmm. school, Mm -hmm. you know, before they're even born. Um, So maybe because... (laughs) This is Beijing. And if you go Mm. to like a third tier or the countryside in China, people are not, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. the the kids play in the mud and they're, (laughs) they have their fun childhood the way it should be. So, but I think with the double reduction policy, like why the country all of a sudden paid so much attention Mm. um, to education, um, I I think one of the main reasons behind that is, first of all, fairness. Right. That's been talked a lot uh, Mm -hmm, about mm -hmm, a lot. mm -hmm. That's
0: what I see. Yeah. Very much about fairness, economic fairness.
1: Exactly. Or else um, only the rich and the ones with resources get to go to the best universities because they Mm -hmm, can spend mm -hmm. thousands, tens of thousands um, to make sure that their kids uh, do well on tests. test preps that's one thing they they really don't like these test preps and they can spend thousands tens of thousands hundreds of thousands on piano lessons you know how expensive piano lessons get here in china it's crazy Mm, Uh, but anyhow um so that's one thing one reason and just yeah i think which is really important is because it's getting so expensive and stressful to raise kids um the, the birth rates, that's one of the reasons that contribute to the lower birth rates here in China. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the birth rate in China in 2020 fell below 1%. Mm-hmm. And wow. that's like the lowest mm-hmm. in 43 mm-hmm. years. I mean, we've been talking about in China about the aging of the Chinese society and lowering birth rates, but this is like, you know, the low new low in 43 years. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons uh, that contributed, the cost cost of, yes, everybody, you know, in Chinese, there's a phrase, you want your son to become the dragon and you want your daughter to become the phoenix. Mm. Right? But not all <laughs> kids are going to go to Tsinghua University or Beidou mm-hmm. University. Mm-hmm. And they're just ending up killing each other, trying to get to these, uh, you know, a few spots. Metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically. Yes. <laughs> thank you. <laughs>
0: Actually, this about six months ago, Beijing became the city in the world and pe- eclipsed New York with the most amount of billionaires. Oh. On that, you have one side of the spectrum, mm-hmm. which is now one where the most amount of really extremely rich people live, mm-hmm. and then you have the other side where the average income in Beijing, I think, is between seven and nine thousand RMB per mm. month. So you have, like, people who are getting by and doing, you know, they have a life. And then they have other people who are, you know, buying their kid when they get their license. Here's your new Lamborghini. Mm -hmm. So it's obviously not going to be fair. But if you think about it from the U.S. perspective for Mm -hmm. a moment, like, it's kind of this... This uh, people want the same kind of policies that China is getting, but increasingly Mm. the wealthy, they send their kids to private schools, right? and then those kids, very small amount of kids, we're talking like less than 1% or 2% Mm -hmm. are taking like French and Chinese classes and math classes and, you know, robotics classes, Mm -hmm. and they are going to the Harvards and Yales and and Stanfords, and Mm. those kids are incredibly successful, incredibly competitive, and uh, if you ask the you know, one side of the political spectrum in America, they're like, yeah, that's good. That's part of how it should be. Mm. You know, it's not about economic equality, which I I fundamentally disagree with. And I think increasingly large spectrum of people in the US also, they see how unfair it is. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of the policies that are being you know rolled out in China they're just not eco- they're not politically feasible in in America that's right. so stratified mm. economically and politically mm. so china mm. is really at this the tip of the spear in terms of trying to m- broach this global problem of economic disparity right. they're really trying to solve that problem here whereas a lot of the places in the world are not able to wrap you know wrap their minds around a way to make it ec- politically feasible To get to the place that China is able to just, hey, we have this central committee of intelligent people who just Hmm. decide, okay, this is what is going to be fair. We're going to do that. And they Mm -hmm. are able to do so. But
1: of course, it comes at a cost. And this is what amazes me. Like uh, China sees the need, right? Um, to, To curb where it's going. Because they don't mm. want capital they don't want education, they don't want capital to dominate things mm-hmm. like education or healthcare. Mm-hmm. You know things, things mm-hmm. like that. We believe that these should be, uh, shouldn't get messed up with money. You know, once mm. you think of education or medical care as a way of making money, everything changes, right? Mm. Uh, but mm-hmm. if it's part of the public works. Then you know, teachers don't go to school thinking about how much money they're going to make today. But mm. if things go on as usual, um, teachers from public schools in China, they will be thinking how much money they can make after school um, in their private classes mm. rather than devoting their energy to think about how much better they can improve you know, their class performance mm-hmm. uh, at work. Uh, You know, in the public schools. And that's what's been happening. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, there's another problem that's related to that problem is that I've heard that some teachers will actually teach the same subject that they're teaching in their school. Curriculum on Saturday or whatever, mm-hmm. and then those students will then do better in their own class. So it's like, okay, if you want to succeed, kids, you have to pay See? the teacher more on Saturday mm-hmm. to take the same courses again, and then I'll really teach you what you're supposed to know.
1: Exactly. So that, that's, that's
0: definitely not fair. Yeah,
1: that's not where uh, we want things to go. And I think parents have had enough, um, and uh, just uh, the whole, I guess uh, the uh, there's so much complaining. About where things are going in, in education, that they are willing to sacrifice the economic gains um, to stop to curb, I guess, the direction where it's going. Mm. And as you know, uh, a lot of these private educational institutions or companies, mm-hmm. they've lost a lot of money. In Mm -hmm. the past few months, like Mm -hmm. their stocks have just plummeted like Mm -hmm. 80 percent. Can you believe 60 percent, 80 percent gone um, Mm -hmm. over a matter of days or a few weeks? So it does come at a cost. But I think here in China, people understand why we're doing it and why we can't really measure, uh, measure this in dollars or, you know, here in RMB. This is much more important than how much money um, this industry is making.
0: off of what you just said about the money issue, I think that's a a lot of people in America, they get their news filtered through like a particular kind of prism that comes through like Wall Street. Hmm. And so when people in America and elsewhere hear about the changes in the education system, they're only hearing about the loss of money. The stocks, exactly. China has changed its policy and so many investors have lost Hmm. so many percent percentage points of their investment, why did they do this, oh no, and then they barely touch on maybe it's about economic equality or what China is actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. So the way that media is perceived in the United States about this particular topic is very different in China than it is elsewhere because people's lives are positively affected by these changes here, whereas in America it's like they're just hearing about the right. super wealthy's investments and how that didn't go so well for them this quarter. Right so it's a completely different kind of argument
1: exactly, exactly. Well, I'm really happy that you see it this well, way. I live
0: here because
1: <laughs> I think a lot of people they get, yeah, no, because a lot of people they get used to just um following these quarterly reports, mm. you know, on the performances of the e- economy and certain sectors of of the economy, certain companies of uh, these uh, these sectors. Mm. but for for common people, for all of us, life is more than that. Actually, Mm. you know, what the stocks are doing, that's far away from my daily life. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. the purpose of these changes in educational policy, I think there are a few main purposes that we, as part of the um, commoners, you know, like common citizens, we we understand. Mm. First of all, we Mm. want capital to stay away from education, you know, just like how we Mm. want capital to um, not, of course, not completely, right? It's going to play a part because that's the engine that drives people to work. (laughs) So it's, it's, it Mm. has its place. But it can't dominate. But also, just
0: buying a nice notebook. I mean, yeah, you can't. I mean, I'm. I'm just making a little comedy here, though. But you know, there's a difference between a, a notebook and a nice notebook.
1: <laughs> i get you i get you i'm all into like you know stationary and other people are so into... many
0: people mm-hmm. have like this obsession when you're in the grocery store oh you don't need anything from stationery, but you better go to the stationary aisle because <laughs> you never know what's gonna pop out at you right it's
1: like, <laughs> like more of a feminine thing
0: i love it i hey are you calling me feminine or oh, maybe i am but i love stationary no. i'm just kidding i, love stationary. We I c- love stationary
1: we can do a whole show on that but <laughs> So the, the, the most important thing is to not let the idea of making money, you know, don't make money from educating our kids. Um, and the second thing, important thing is mm. to let teachers come back to the classrooms. You know, if teachers can make five times the mm. income after school, teaching private classes, they're not going to focus a lot on what they do during the day in the classrooms. Mm. You know, the mm. only way to stop that is to, to cut off those uh, after school classes you know, to, to bring teachers back to the classroom where they are supposed to, you know, focus their attention. And also, hmm. more importantly, to, to give kids, to give kids their back their childhood. You know, let kids be kids. Let them play. Hmm. They belong hmm. in the parks, right? They belong in um in the arms of other little kids instead of all in front of the screen, studying this, studying that. So, and eventually, if they have the room,
0: I'd like to change gears sure, sure. for a second about, you know, in America, like if I have a child, mm-hmm. that's my child. I'm going to be like my my wife and I or my partner and I, that's going to be our child. Mm-hmm. But increase. what I notice here is that mom and dad are really busy right. and that grandma and grandpa have a huge mm-hmm. role in taking care of, you know, I, I, before I I, I let, hand this over to you, I want to tell a story about mm-hmm. myself. Now, I have, I come from a family of four boys. Ooh. Both of my older <laughs> brothers, they got into so much trouble mm. when they were like approaching their teens, mm. you know, at that rough right. age that it was like my mom and dad are like, "Uh oh, so they sent me and my little brother off to grandma's mm. house on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I spent, I don't know, three or four or five years at grandma's mm-hmm. house and grandma, she was great. My grandmother, Levila, she was a wonderful woman. She loved helping mm-hmm. us and she would read to us every nice. night. I learned to read really well because of grandma it was wonderful Mm -hmm. but i have to say i think that's a bit unusual my childhood is kind of an outlier there most people are just like in their suburban home with mom Mm -hmm. and dad and it's like very much about that core nuclear family What I see in China is, I have a Chinese wife, I should mention, Mm. and if we were to have a child, her mom would probably move in.
1: Right. And (laughs) she would be like, oh,
0: it's it's my chance. It's my opportunity (laughs) to finally raise a child because my wife was also partially raised by her grandmother and me too she spent a lot of time at her grandma's house right and if if we were to have children we're so busy that her mom would come and then her it would be like yay it's my turn to raise a child (laughs) i was wondering if you could comment about that Uh, maybe your own personal experience well
1: we have like 10 minutes i don't know how far we can get but because that's like a huge topic um there Mm -hmm. are you know pros and cons to to each way and to be honest, I think the nuclear family—if it's just mom and dad and a kid or two—it's pretty small, I have to say. And mm-hmm. um, and also nowadays, I think even in the states, a lot more moms have to work, right, to be able to afford um, a decent living, you know, a house mm-hmm. and I don't know preschool, all that. Um, and in China, it's. Um, I mean, there are uh, more women who actually choose to become housewives Mm. after they have uh, kids and they take care of their kids on their own. But it's Mm. not easy, though. And in Mm. cities like Beijing and Shanghai, um, it's very expensive. So in most cases, both parents have to work. And I know that back in the States, there is a choice of sending your babies to daycare centers. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I think that you can send them to the centers as early as they are, like, six weeks old. Now, I have to say, um, that is impossible in China. So, in China, Mm -hmm. no one will send their babies um, to daycare centers. I mean, kindergarten starts at 3 Uh, And you can probably squeeze your child in if she's or he is shy of three years old. But normally before three, the kid stays at home, you know, like Mm -hmm. some family member take care of the kid. And if it's not the Mm -hmm. mom or the dad, then it's usually uh, one of the grandparents or one set of the grandparents. And in some families, Mm -hmm. they alternate, (laughs) you know, like. It's our turn. One week with this set of parents. <laughs> it's our turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so that's normal. Like uh, my cousin, uh, her daughter is three. So her parents have been helping her to take care of their daughter um, for the past three years. Um, I'm not, I can't say it's perfect, right? I think that parents should spend a lot of time with their kids, especially when they're younger, um, I worked until I was uh, uh, until my daughter was two and a half, and then I quit work to spend more time with her um, and because also we moved so mm-hmm. I was you know I'm really far away from where I used to work it's just impossible to commute Um, and I'm really happy that I, I did that and I was able to spend more time with my daughter I mean it drives me nuts but <laughs> I think looking back, uh, it's probably one of the best decisions because they grow <laughs> up really fast. And the first few years mm. matters more than mm. the rest of your life. Seriously. Um, yeah, emotionally, emotionally, the bonding, the understanding. Um, so, I mean, it's not like people have a lot of choices. Um, some people, they, of course, they, you can hire a nanny. Um, but some people, they don't feel as safe about mm, leaving their mm. child. Yeah, I, I used to have a nanny <laughs> when I worked, you know, for uh, when my daughter was, um, well, before I quit my job. So for the first two years and I had the nicest nanny, like I I, I was, I'm so lucky.
0: It's kind of like an au pair almost. What
1: something. does that mean?
0: Au pair is, um, what's well, a little bit different with the nanny, what we call an i here in China. It's like usually an, a much older right. lady, whereas an au pair mm. is sometimes someone who's fresh out of high school or fresh out of college. And oftentimes it's a young lady that just happens to be there. Mm. And they will come and live with your family and be kind of mm. like the, serve the function of an I, spend a lot of time with the kids and read with the kids and stuff. No, But in other countries. No, in no, other no. Countries, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I need someone with experience. After uh, being a mom for seven years, I mean, this is mm. not an easy job. And you need a lot of patience, a lot mm. of love and just, forgiveness and just just kindness to be um a good caretaker for kids they need so much tolerance <laughs> so and younger people you know they're so they're much more mm. um self-centered and it's almost unfair for someone younger you know to force mm. that on someone younger you know they're supposed to live in their own world for a while right until they become fully an adult so, yes, uh, a lot of Chinese parents. and But it's it's not entirely just out of necessity. I think mm-hmm, it's also mm-hmm. um, part of the culture. When you mm. say family, like in the States, you I guess um, you just mean your parents, right? And the kids, the nuclear family. I think you automatically think mm. of nuclear family.
0: They also hire, it's not always just mom and dad or just uh, necessarily a daycare center. The US is also famous for having a babysitter. Yes. Which is often times. I've
1: before.
0: <laughs> very, very often it's it's actually a teen. right high school kid. It's like, oh okay, yeah, high school kid. I, mom and dad want to go out this evening to go, you know, to the symphony or whatever the mm. movie, and like, okay, so they hire like the neighborhood kid to come mm. over. And every movie you ever watched where this happens.
1: Something bad <laughs> no, Now that I I've babysit when I was in high school in the States, and now that I'm mm-hmm. a mom, mm-hmm. I don't understand this whole thing now. <laughs> Why would I leave my baby in the hands of,
0: <laughs> yeah, baby. of a 15
1: year old? I knew nothing about how to yeah. take care of babies. Uh, fortunately, you know, I, w- I was very responsible and everything was fine. But like, I would not do that with my own child. So...
0: Well, I remember being I, me- I remember babysitting one time for my mm-hmm. cousin, and they had three children. Wow.
1: They At better one pay point, you. I couldn't
0: find the little the littlest one. I was oh, paid no. yes, but I, it wasn't much. It wasn't much. It was like ten dollars or something. You know. <laughs> Anyways, I couldn't find <laughs> oh, the littlest gosh. one, and apparently the the oldest boy who was like I don't know nine had taken her and put her in a wooden box somewhere <gasps> in the house.
1: Oh like my
0: I gosh! Go, I eventually found her thumping on the side, <laughs> and she was like three or four, and I was like, "Oh no, no, no!" <laughs> but that's a hard job. I think it was only like ten minutes or something. It wasn't like all day. It was like ten oh minutes. Oh my you know, gosh! You do need someone competent who understands children. There, not just like a teenager, in my opinion. Right.
1: Also. So that system yeah. will not work here. <laughs> will not work here. <laughs> and also, I wanted to add that. It's more uh, of a cultural thing because when you say family, 家庭, or you know, my family here in China, you don't just mean you naturally do not just mean your parents and yourself or your siblings. Hmm. You mean mm-hmm. your connected family, your extended family. Hmm. You know, people you've uh, grew up with. Um, for example, when I say my family, I mean my mom and my dad, my grandma. Two sets, you know, grandmas and also my aunts and uncles who I've spent more time with. I mean, I have lots of uncles and cousins, but some of them are, you know, they live more distant, so I haven't really associated with them Mm -hmm. that often. But you know, I grew up with my third aunt and also her husband, and I grew up with their daughter. So that's what I mean by my Mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. It's way beyond Mm -hmm. just my parents and me. Um, Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's natural that. Uh, family members reach out to help. And and I'm really mm. glad they do because it's very hard, especially if you are uh, parents for the first time, like with your first child. You literally, <laughs> you are so scared and stressed and just exhausted for the first few months. I mean, actually for the few, first few years because they get sick a lot when they're little and you mm. need the help.
0: We, mm. This is such a huge topic and we didn't do it justice, but there is one more thing. I know we don't have much time. I just wanted to ask you one question. We're not going to be able to discuss it. Just point sure. it out. What, how long is maternity leave here ah, in
1: China? I don't know. Wait, three months, maybe three months, four months. Yeah, I'm not too sure.
0: Because in America, it's zero months. What do
1: you mean zero months?
0: <laughs> there is no maternity. There's no such legal precedent. Maybe some companies have policies, individual companies. There's no law. Can
1: they not have it?
0: Exactly. That That's what I wanted to point out before we close today. No, I
1: literally, I didn't get off the bed for yeah. two weeks after giving birth. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah,
0: I think if you work for a lot of companies, okay, wow, you, didn't, you weren't able to get out for two weeks. That's two weeks unpaid. Oh and that is something you know i want i want to leave you know the difference between well, all the things we're talking about there's a lot of care taken by the Chinese government here to make sure that the family life mm. works. And that's America really needs to look into fixing.
1: Even more these days because of the lowering of birth rates. Like China is, this is one of the major focuses mm. Um, mm. now and also in the future years is how to make people have more babies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have an opportunity to do a follow up on this discussion because there is so much to talk. It has been wonderful talking with you today. Baby. Oh, same
1: here. Same here. Well, we will continue. And thank you, our listeners, and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye, Jason. Find us
0: next time on The Bridge. Bye, baby. Bye. Bye.